We've done it. We have arrived. Fucking made it, mate. Uh, lovely <laughs> to see you this morning, dude. You too, brother. You too. How's your morning been so far? Upregulated. Chose to sleep in this morning. It's the first time I've done that in a very, very long time. The benefits of sleeping in for me are, are quite replenishing and the long-term effects are not good because as soon as I sleep in, everything else Casting. gets pushed back. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you feel like you are behind the eight ball now or you're like, I should have just got up or like, you're like, no, I'm content with that decision because it's in my head, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> me too. Um, so I'm not a person who like, if I'm going to sleep in or I'm going to miss something, I don't just lay in bed, switch the alarm. Like I'll get up. I'll get up at yeah. the time that I get up, which is zero 0400. I'll walk yeah. around. And then in that space, if I'm walking around and going, okay, the body's tired, like something yeah. something needs to change. I'll make the change then. And then yeah. if I choose to go back to bed and sleep, I now know that the rest of my day needs to be pretty well structured and strategic yeah. about how I expend my energy. Yeah. I took 20 minutes just then, just like the, we got the kids off, Cass took the kids to school, we got them off. And as soon as they left, I jumped straight into meditation, some breath work and just yeah. like, okay, let's just settle a little bit, you know? Yeah. So good. That's really, really cool, dude. And even just to give the context to anyone that might listen to this later on, it's like you and I have had some pretty meaningful and powerful conversations in DMs. And it's like, you know, like them conversations have led to like a friendship and a relationship and we're like start catching up and at the very least just record it for us. And mm -hmm. if we share it with other people or we put it on other platforms and someone might get something out of it, then it's a win for them. And, you know, it, it is what it is. So. I think for me, at least, it's cool to be able to build some structure with you and just create. It was one thing that I try to give a lot of energy to, right? It's like manufacturing conversations. And if mm -hmm. I can manufacture a conversation with you, like we have words and we share words and we put them in different contexts and different sentences and they mean different things. And if that can create value for someone, then I'm stoked. Yeah, it's cool. Agreed. It's been a real passion of late. This year specifically, I chose to knuckle down and really start studying and researching the way that I'm intentional with words and how I create dialogues and thought models with people. Yeah. I find a lot of passion when I'm facilitating being able to speak value or give education to men specifically at the moment, but holistically everybody. And I was like, okay, I really enjoy this thing. And I notice when I'm in this space that I'm feeling really good about, you know, talking, speaking and creating thought models and dialogue. So I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on that. And I've spent from January to now really studying with different coaches and, and watching people that I admire. And what I found from being in this space specifically is I'm bringing more out of myself. You know, yeah. I'm finding parts of myself that I was like, I'll get off a conversation. I'm like, oh, shit. And then I'll go and reflect yeah. on that. And I was, just, I was like, oh, wow. So like this intention of creating, you know, this container of, of talking about different elements of whether it's, you know, us in our, in our personal professional lives or wh whatever it is. I know there are people out there that are, are wanting to hear this type of thing yeah. because they're thinking the same thing. Right. Correct. And I think you can become complacent too, like a tight little circle of like people that are share the same values, have the very ambitious people. It's like, you can become complacent to think that everyone is like that over time. Mm. And there's that guy that's isolated in an undesirable or toxic work or relationship and they don't know who to turn to, right? Because I was that person at one stage too, right? I was in a toxic working environment and I didn't know who the to turn to because everyone around me was that toxic person. And then mm. I used to seek advice from books and podcasts. And like, we've all heard that saying, you know, like you're an average of the five people you hang around, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But it's like, what I learned that was powerful for me is that they don't have to be five physical people. They could be mm. five authors. 
or that could be three authors and two podcast hosts. Like we have so much access to other people that we've never had before. And I had this thought the other day, right? And it's like, for example, a book, a book is just like a combination of words in paragraphs and then, you know, in sentences. And the interesting part that really stuck out to me was that in a book, there's no words invented in books, right? There's just, mm-hmm. a, there's just words that are placed in different structures and patterns that mean different things. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's pretty crazy that all these words in this book are all the same words in that book, but it has a completely different message because it was structured in a way that is more impactful or resonates with the person. Yeah, really interesting when I sort of broke it down like that. I was like, a good author is someone that can structure words in a way that creates meaning, which I think is a mad skill. Yeah, man. We're, we're biased researchers in that space, you know, like we're looking for that one message that we want to hear that we can hold and, and work yeah. with. And the way that the words are constructed around, like if you take a book, there is one message for the book, right? If you pick up the title and you look at it, there's one message to the book. There's several lessons inside of the book itself, inside of the literature, but the one message is present and we're looking for that one message. So we will go seek it out. Yeah. What I find re- really special about that, this is a pretty cool fact, actually. Do you know what the word abracadabra means? I thought it was when you do a f- magic trick. <laughs> it is. It is. And most people believe, like when you ask people that, do you know what abracadabra is? They're like, oh, magic or whatever it is. But abracadabra is Aramaic for with my words, I create. Right. And you yeah, take right. the word spelling, shorten that spells. So words carry vibrations. They carry spells. And when we speak them, they carry that, that message. Yeah. Uh, and so when we're talking or looking for that literature, we're looking for that spell that we want to initiate that thought model to create or just create in general. Because uh, yeah. when we read, we're looking for that lesson. We're looking for that next piece that we can go and create in our own realities. And yeah. I find that really special because if you're looking for it, that more often than not, you're going to find what you need to find, whether it's the message or not, you're going to get the lesson that you need to do. Now, the complacency is us going about our realities as individual people and not sharing that or creating that five degrees of separation or the sphere of influence. But when you bring it together, like when you bring five men into a container vibrating off the same frequency and you put them in a space and say, all right, talk, each person is going to share their perspective of their reality. Yeah. By the end of the conversation, there's one message. And we're all vibrating off that frequency and you go forward and then you catch up again, you do the same thing. And progressively, we're moving towards that reality that we're all seeking. But at the same time, we're bringing these things out of ourselves that weren't there necessarily if we'd gone on the path by ourselves. Yeah. That's the power of connection, the power of community, the power and and magic of words. And I think too, like um, what you just said before, is like the spell, blah, blah, blah. It's like there's so many words that have meanings that we're just totally blase towards right like mm-hmm. another one is like breakfast like mm-hmm. breakfast is like a, a treat like a, a word it's like have a bowl of cereal when you look at the word it's like breaking the fast right yeah. break fast it's not hidden but it's crazy that we're just like sort of blase towards it because it's just like going through the motion of like what is normally and acceptable it's um, automatic and like living with intention means finding those specific moments where it might be a word it might be a narrative it might be somewhere where you're existing in society taking that and going what does that mean extrapolating upon that base or, or context and going okay what does that mean breakfast break fast okay i've slept breaking the fast what does that mean am i intentional with the way i consume nutrition am i intentional yeah. with the way i allow my body to wake up and, and get into the process Am I intentional before I go to bed? 
downregulate and allow this meat suit to go into the space where it needs to downregulate, rest and digest all of the things. So taking those words, those moments, those um, those conversations, extrapolating upon them and being like, okay, what's my intention with this? Because people are quite happy to to live in that that robotic life of being like, oh, breakfast, yeah, I wake up, do the cereal, okay, I wonder why I'm unhealthy, right? Yeah. And we, and we move yeah. into that. And, yeah. and so being intentional with the way that we live just completely changes everything. Yeah. Yeah, agree, dude. And um, meaning behind words, I have this fascination. I've given like a lot of thought towards the two different words that can be sort of put in the same basket and that's ease and simplicity. So the thing for me is like, I think naturally our body or our mind is like always erring on the side of less, right? It wants to like do less to like prolong whatever it is we're doing. Um, because when we put our body under stress or we put our body under pressure, it's like, what's going on? Like oh, we want longevity, and to have longevity, we must like do less. I think the trap is that people don't identify the two different things between simplicity and ease, and they just err on. They just always lean to ease, and they never push it. But for me, it's like I want to search for simplicity in life. And like a perfect example of that is like doing breath work, right? Breathing is very simple. We do it all day, but when you do it with intention, it's hard. We can say that breathing is easy or we can say that it's simple or we can say that it's easy, but it's not simple or the other way around. So breathing is simple, but it's not easy because when mm-hmm. we do it with intention, it's hard. for me, at least I want to search for simplicity. I do not want to search for ease because I don't mm. think there's any growth in ease. I think there's growth in simplicity. So it's like doing hard things in a really simple way, like sitting in a room in the dark, concentrating on breath is extremely simple and definitely not easy. Mm-hmm. Running is simple, but when you run across the country like you, you mad dog, <laughs> it's not easy, right? It's not easy. So it it's like not easy. Yeah, the, the actual the actual task is is simple, but it's certainly not easy. Not at all. Um, and they work yeah. they work interchangeably. Like ease could mean taking the path of less resistance, but later on, it's not going to be simple. You're going to have a lot yeah. more challenging and and resistance type scenarios. But if you practice the simple it does become easy because you get so good at focusing on what your purpose and intention is with the practice. Breathing is not simple, although we do it, we do it 25,000 times a day on average, which means there's 25,000 moments where you can become intentional with the way you're regulating your nervous system. But that's not easy because how many, are we going to stop 25,000 times a day? We're not, we're not going to stop 25,000 times a day. The body's going to breathe because it needs to survive and it wants to survive. But if we can take those moments of simplicity and turn them into long-term ease, um, the same is also true. You can take yeah. five, 10 moments a day where you just tune in and focus on two minutes of breathing in and out of the nose into the belly. And that might be the difference with the 1% between how you arrive at the end of your day or show up for the next. If you chose the easy route, all right, I'm just going to do 10, 15 minutes in the morning. That's easy, right? You can, you can wake up, you can do that thing, but the rest of the day might not be so simple either. Right. So there's yeah. long-term effects to both. Yeah. What's your breathing look like? Do you breathe with intention once a day, three times a day, twice a day, 10 times a day? Honestly, I have gotten to a point now, my everyday life where I'm so conscious of my breath that the first biological reflexes that occur, whether I'm breathing out of my mouth, up into the chest, whether I'm feeling that flood of adrenaline and cortisol, which I'm really sensitive to now, that stimulates me to go, oh shit, okay, my nervous system's reacting to something. What is that? Yeah. And it's not simple to go, what is that thing? Because it could be a, a, a myriad of things, right? It could be in the environment. It could be yeah. my environment that I'm working in that's signaling me to, to create stress in the body. It could be somebody in their energetic um, exchange with 
with me in that moment. It could be a financial thing, it could be a work thing, it could be anything. And so for me, I've become really sensitive to those moments. They hit and I'm aware and I stop because I know the long-term effects of me not stopping are detrimental to my health. Like I've been studying breathwork for just over seven years now, closer to 10, but just over seven professionally. What I've come to learn in the industry of breathwork is there's, there's all these different protocols and breathwork as a practice is not new. You know, yeah. we all brought it to the scene yeah. over a decade ago. Very cool. Paved the way for, for a lot of us. But there's not one protocol that does one thing, right? They do a, a variety of things. The importance of breathwork is knowing how to regulate the nervous system, how to regulate and modulate stress and stress hormones, and knowing in that moment what is signaling that stress to occur. You can apply you can apply any type of breath protocol and it's going to create a state change in your nervous system. Now, for some people with breath work, they're waking up, they're doing Wim Hof the first part of their day. They may be already upregulated as f- right? They may yeah. be stressed, waking up stress, and then you're going and applying Tumo type breathing, which is Wim Hof, which upregulates you more. Now, it might get you into that drive mode, that warrior spirit. I want to dominate, dominate, yeah. dominate. But by the end of the week, your, your cup's completely empty. And you're wondering yeah. why, where you could apply something a bit different. So just learning how to regulate the nervous system, knowing how your biology is interacting in its environments, depending on the information being received, is when and where you would apply specific types of breath. The best thing we can do as humans, specifically living in a world of so much stimulus and arousal, is simply downregulating at any one time, because finding that stillness is what we're all missing out on and what we're neglecting. Even for men like ourselves, we're driven, we're purposeful, we're intentional about the way that we live, the way that we conduct ourselves in our personal and professional lives. We could apply a breathwork protocol that stimulates us and gets us into flow state. We could do that. But at any one moment of the day, it is never going to be detrimental for us to take a moment of stillness and just breathe in and out of the nose, into the belly, and just be like, okay, what's the next task? Transition to the next task, right? And just follow along that thing. So when people ask me, you know, what kind of breathwork do you do? All of it. It's all relevant. It's just about yeah. regulating your nervous system. Yeah. I think um, I remember when I first sort of come across breath work or people breathing with intention was the Gracies in Brazil, yeah. you know, like them guys, you know, like breathing on the beach. I, I remember like watching a documentary on one of the Gracies. It was just, I actually remember, I can visually, I can see it super clear. It's like inhale, it's just like his whole big diaphragm and like just being able to control that is incredible especially like for them guys when they are under stress right like someone's trying to choke them or yeah they're trying to get longevity in wrestling or, or grappling it's pretty cool and the thing is as well like when you're talking about like regulating your hormones even something as little as i've become complacent with this i live in a regional town and I can go outside and I can see the stars every single night, right? Very mm-hmm. bright. I get up early in the morning and I just look at the stars. I'm like, it's bananas to me, man. That, that, that's not more of a bigger deal. It's like there's stars everywhere and like no one's really talking about it. It's pretty crazy to me. And a lot of people don't even get to see that, right? They live in like mm-hmm. really high density areas and there's a lot of light pollution. Even just like the white noise of like traffic, like mm-hmm. a lot of people, man, don't know what it's like to not listen to that at all. When you can find yourself in an environment where there is no light pollution or no noise pollution, it's a f-ing incredible place to be. Like you feel lighter, you feel like way more free. There's a level of anxiety to that, like it sucks a level of energy, like just that little bit of that light or a little bit of that. It's like clutter. It's like when mm-hmm. you live in a lot of clutter or you have a lot of shit around, it just takes energy off you because you have to move one thing here or you need to try to find that one thing there. It takes time and energy. They are portals, mate. Yeah. They're portals yeah. into, the, into the sky. Like it's a backlit canopy and we don't spend enough time looking at it. You know, no, 
yeah yeah it's <laughs> um, night, especially on a, like a really not right now is perfect because it's like the nights are cool and dark and like there's a lot of darkness like the, the sun goes down early and the sun comes up you know later so there's a lot of darkness for us to be able to spend time outside and i mean like that window of time for me in the morning is the most precious time for me because i like and i'll nurture it forever because yeah it's so special like we get to glimpse at the stars we get to look at the moon and then get to witness the sunrise magical dude it's interesting that comment on gracie because that was the first time i ever heard of breathwork really as well the, the original gracie and i remember him saying he was running a drill with some students and he said he stopped them all and said as soon as you know your opponent or you can see your opponent is breathing out of the mouth you've got him that breathing out of the mouth up into the chest is a stimulation of stress or a stress arousal and if that's the case that person is cognitively thinking about what's the next move because i'm like i'm against the ropes right now and yeah. so he, he implored this like this technique of, of keeping yourself so calm and relaxed, even under duress or adverse conditions, keep yourself calm and relaxed because you're going to be more rational in the way that you think and solve problems. And that to me was, was super potent because you, you, you take that exact scenario and you put it in everyday life, it's still pertinent, right? It's still yeah. pertinent. Exactly what you're saying about the environment, which is so why I'm so passionate about that and, and really try to... Um, you know, teach that to students and people when I'm giving value is your environments carry information, right? Like this pen, it's just a pen to most people, but it's information because when I hold the pen, not only find motor skills and functions working for me, so my brain's doing things on how to carry the weight, how to hold it precisely, but even the color of the pen is relating to my system because I have an association with whatever that means. Now I could go deep into what the pen means to me and you could break it down, but just to keep it surface level, like it carries information. And if I'm sitting in an environment where there's plenty of things carrying information or I'm living in an environment that carries lots of information, that is signaling my biology all the time. I'm not getting a chance to switch off. And right. what I found with working with, with people across the globe that live in maybe regional, more rural geographical locations versus people that live in built-up metropolitan type environments, the difference being is most of the people that are living in rural amongst nature, amongst the elements are a lot less upregulated because there's not as much stimulus. And it's, it's a yeah. no brainer really when you look at it, when teaching stuff as how to regulate the nervous system, they're not relating the same because somebody who's in metropolitan is stressed because of their environment that's signaling them, not necessarily about the things that are superficial to the people that are in the rural environment. So work, traffic, people, finance, all of those things. They're more conditioned in the metropolitan environment to be able to regulate that because they're there all the time. They're right. conditioned to it. But the people that are in the rural environments aren't so exposed to it more often than not. Their stress is a little bit different. So finding the space in between as to like observing, like I said, with mine in my daily practice, observing when I'm triggered and that stress arousal comes and then knowing how to regulate that because stress is different to everybody. And it's very important. Right. Stress yeah. is very important in our life, but knowing how to regulate that. But more often than not, people who are in rural areas with like a lot of nature, a lot of natural elements have a lot longer lifespan, a lot more vitality in life, usually a lot happier as well. Yeah, yeah. People in the other environment are not so much. Yeah. The that pen it sort of triggered something for me. It's like when like another thing to add to that too, right? It's like, yeah, it's the pen, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like if that pen was a gift from your partner or your mother, then it carries another layer of energy, right? It could be just a pen to me, but it's it's something that comes with a lot of thought and feeling for you. That's funny you say that, man. This pen says Nepean CrossFit, right? One yeah. of my daughters left it here. Um, 
they live in Sydney, in West Sydney, and their mum owns a gym, the Pan CrossFit. Yeah. Uh, now, to me, I'm, I'm unattached, or I'm not even unattached. Just, there's no association other than the fact that it's a pen. Yeah. But the, the old part of myself that was less likely and observant to the things that could be sitting there, I'm looking at it. My association is taking me back to a moment in my past marriage where, yeah, all yeah. the things could happen. That yeah. stimulates that thing. So we could be sitting yeah. here talking. And if I see that out of my peripheral, that's triggering me. So I'm off track yeah. now. I'm not present, right? And that could be yeah. anything in your environment. Yeah. There's, um, have you read any books by Mike Lasinger? Mm-hmm. Surrender Experiment. Uh, yeah. So have you read his other one? The Surrender Experiment is an incredible book. He wrote that first and then he wrote one after it, the unearthed, the, un, the unearthed Soul. Yeah. There's a part in that book at the very, at, towards the beginning of it, and it's exactly what you're talking about now. It's like we could be driving down a road and like there's always these voices in our head, right? Like, oh, palm tree, blue car, blue car, red car. Oh, there's a dog. Like, you know, just subconsciously things. And it's like um, you could have, you know, in your like twenty years ago, you could have had a like your your girlfriend or your boyfriend cheat on you with a guy that drew that drove a blue Mustang. You know, and that could be <laughs> yeah. twenty years down the road, and you could be driving, 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 and then you see two people in a blue Mustang. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. fuck. and you just think of you know that yep. negative tire and it's so crazy because it's very obvious that memory was like deep active like asleep and then you've brought it like a blue car has brought that back into your you know front of mind and it's taken energy from you you know from something that happened 20 years ago i have them things all the time happen to me right you notice it and let it go but there's an element of energy there it's there it is well the letting go part's the most crucial part coincidentally i taught this lesson last night to the brothers in the brotherhood And what we call it is closing loops or grounding cycles, right? Because in life, we go through loops or cycles. The hero's journey, you come across all of these different stages and you return back to the start and then you start again. In our life, we have all of these different scenarios, relationships, jobs, moments in life that are part of a loop. Now, if we've chosen at that very moment not to close that loop officially, that will return and continue to oscillate. And so that exact example of like having that relationship to that person with the blue car, we've not closed that loop. And it ca- we yeah. carry that manifested energetically and then it turns into yeah. a physical manifestation. So closing that loop could mean going back to that very moment, observing what happened, how you negotiated, how you could negotiate it now because you don't have the same mind that created the same problem as Einstein would say. And so you get to go back to that moment, oh, that relationship with that blue car. I need to go back and have a conversation with that person, just, you know, close that loop. And it might be as yeah. simple as ringing that previous partner and being like, hey, I'm, I'm elsewhere in life now, but just wanted to reach out and apologize or communicate. There was a lot of things that were left unfinished. Are you open to, or do I have your permission to, to work through this together? Yes or no. And if it's a no, the loop remains open. If it's a yes, you get to close that together. The next time you go past the blue car, the stimulus yeah. is different. You're reminding yeah. yourself of a moment where you went back and closed it and we're like, huh, blue car. So proud yeah. of yourself. Wow. Yeah. Completely different stimulus. And it's, um, it's a little bit like when you hear the stories about, you know, like say like a close family member or a child or a father was murdered by someone and then that mm-hmm. family forgives the person, right? They're like, hey, this happened. Or like in some instances, the family will turn up in support of the person that murdered their family, you know, and they're like, we want to help them. You know, we understand that they've made a mistake. We want to help them going forward in life. It's like outside looking in, you're like, how the f- could you possibly do that? That person murdered your family. But for them, I think it's like, it's a, like, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like closing that. It's like, this has happened and they can have two choices, right? But it's like, what's worse, carrying that karmic debt forever 
because mm. like then they, they ruin their own life, right? And I think um, the karmic debt is like super important because if we hold on to them things or we do bad things to other people, then the universe won't allow you to win. Simple, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't do what you want or you can't reach your ambitions or goals if you're not living true to yourself because the universe is watching always right so it's like keep school the way that i sort of the way that i describe this is like if you and i went out to the car park or out to your backyard right now we just play one-on-one soccer right it's like hey will like we're not going to keep score dude we're just having a bit of a you know bit of play just it's a break time right we go out there and play for 10 minutes okay it's we can come back inside and both you and i know who won Mm -hmm. right like like we didn't agree we never kept score but i'm like Will got two more goals than what I did, right? So we kept score subconsciously. The universe yeah. is doing the same thing, right? So it's like if I'm a cunt to you, but no one sees it, and I show up and I I be this really great person to everyone else, the universe is understanding what's going on. They're like, hey, you're not being true to yourself because you're a cunt to Will, and you're really nice to everyone else. So mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't matter because I'm not putting myself in a position of growth then. A good example is that when I stopped drinking, it's like I would mm-hmm. say all these really ambitious things. I, I want to do this and I want to do that. But then I'll go get drunk, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. You're not putting yourself in a position to be able to receive all these things that you want. And then when I was really deliberate with it and stopped drinking, which is like purpose, what you're talking about before, be purposeful, everything started to improve. And I was yeah. like, because I put myself in a position for it to happen, then all of a sudden it happened. Like it's not an accident. As I was yeah. like, I was not in a position to grow before. And now I've put myself in a position to grow. And, you know, it's no surprise that that's exactly what happened. Same yeah, as the guys yeah. that work with you, I'd imagine, right? It's like, if they're not in your tribe, then it's going to be a lot harder for them to get the same yielding results that the guys in your tribe get because they're not in the position to receive it. Plain and simple. Like, mm-hmm. you can't go there. Super simple to me. The universe is always watching and, it, and it's always keeping score. The personal development journey starts with rehabilitation, right? Yeah. It starts with rehabilitating yourself. And it means all of those things that you just said, because the universe does keep score. Like a brief story, you remember when I was running, I think it was just before the Nullarbor, and I tore my piriformis and I was out yep. for like, you know, I couldn't run for like six days, so I chose to walk. But yep. um, what I come to realize is in that karmic debt was part of my soul's purpose was to rehabilitate all of the lives prior to this one and then all those proceeding. And I got to make a choice whether I wanted to continue to carry that debt or let it go and ground that cycle, close that loop. And I remember sitting in the middle of nowhere, we were just outside of the South Australian border and my, my mate River, who was my support crew, he's a sound healer, right? And so I asked him this one day, hey, can we get the instruments back out tonight? I'm going to sit under the stars. I need to do some inner work. And he said, yeah, okay, you're not tired. I was like, no, I need to do this. I am tired, but I need to do this. Yeah. I dove back in, got into an altered state of consciousness, completely sober, but through breath work, took myself back to a space where I could regress in life. And what I come to learn was the karmic debt I was carrying was I'd, I'd had a mission similar to that one itself in a past life as a native, a native Indian. And I got shot in the hip with an arrow, right? It was yeah. the exact location that I'd torn my piriformis. Now I had a choice to make whether I was going to heal that, rehabilitate myself and close that loop or continue on and just like, just bite the bullet. And I would have, I, mentally I'm strong enough to keep going yeah. and I, I would have yeah. continued, but I chose the, I chose the opposite and I chose to heal that, rehabilitate it, close that loop. Three days later, I'm back running, you know? Yeah. And so it becomes this river, I call it the river of abundance. 
And when we leave the logs in the river, it starts to build up this beaver dam and the, the water can't yeah. flow. But as soon as you start taking those logs out, whether it's rehabilitation, whether it's awareness observation, it starts to flow more rapidly and you can just be in that river of abundance. Finding that in your daily life isn't always easy. And like you say, you need to be open for it but the space needs to be available. You know, this is a space that's available for us to receive and exchange information because we're open to it. We could go away from this and be like, holy this, that, this, that, wow. But there's not necessarily those environments that we can create or are being created other than what we're doing here, right? Like what I'm doing, what you're doing, what we're doing together. And so when men are arriving in this container, what I've noticed is they're a little apprehensive because they've removed themselves from an environment that doesn't necessarily allow them to receive that information. And when they step into it and it's available, they're more open because they're ready to make that transition. Yeah, makes perfect sense. And it's happened to me before too, right? And I'm really interested to learn. It's like them guys that don't, for you, for example, it's like there's so many people that wouldn't do that, like that extra work to try to identify what's going on to try to work through it, right? They More often than not, I think they just go there and they're like, hey, I need to rest or I need to stop or quit right and then that's what they do i think all the glory and all the flowers are on the other side of that right Mm -hmm. it's like a test from the universe it's like again when i talk about like putting yourself in a position to growth i look at them times like a it's a test from the universe to say righto will says that he does all these things will says that he wants to grow will says that he wants to you know be a leader and a a mentor but let's see if he has what it takes because all, all them things are on the other side of this and it's like cool he worked through it he passed the test congratulations you know mm-hmm. and then things start working what i used to find right when i was doing the run that i did it was like when i used to wake up with like really sleep deprived my mind would play games it's like you need to stop what are you doing this isn't healthy like you must stop you must stop you must stop but then what i found was like one good night's sleep and i'm back i had nothing to do my mind wanted me to stop and it was like creating all these excuses and reasons it's like you need to nurse this injury you need to be mindful of this but it was really i just needed a really good night's sleep to sort of reset and then i was good again and Mm -hmm. it made me think it's like imagine how many people they go to that where it is like hey you need to stop you can stop for example you right no one would have judged you if you stopped halfway because of an injury but deep down you know you maybe wouldn't have known but for the rest of your life you have to wonder is like what if i did just push through one more day or two days would have i come good and yeah that was the thing for me it's like sometimes there's markers like injury this is this is not great it could be like an environment like uh, something in your environment like an argument with your partner or you know um, something happened at work and we we're not pinpointing the correct reasons why that's happening we're just looking at it like oh i got an injury i must stop right now or like hey why the f- am i injured and what can we do around i just need a good night's sleep and we're good to go again um, yeah it's just sleep yeah. for me again i don't i get up early in the morning because i love that window of time would it be healthier if i stayed in bed for another two hours like likely there's like a fine line between what i get out of it mentally and physically in the morning i think sometimes outweighs like that little bit of extra sleep that i would have got and for me it's something that i'm aware of like i track it right like i track i look at my sleep through whoop every day but it's like i think there's a fine line between getting your your full amount of rest Uh, by no means am i saying that we should sleep deprive ourselves but what i do mean is it's like I think we need to err on the side of more and less, like more on the side of more and then just play around with it because, yeah, the the thoughts that I can manufacture early in the morning, sitting under the stars or watching a sunrise, aren't the same things that I can get from, you know, sleeping an extra 20 minutes um, in some cases. Absolutely, man. And you can, like, in that space where the mind's playing games, 
it's telling you not to do the thing. It doesn't mean that yeah. you can't rearrange the rest of the day to suit the thing that you want to do yeah. and get the things that you need. So it might, it could mean going to bed a little earlier and that's okay. Yeah. You know, if you're Correct. getting up at zero, 300 and then choosing to go to bed at 20 hundred, like that's a good amount of time to be in that space of vitality and health and investment in yourself, let alone arriving at zero, 300 going, Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. This is f like, yeah. you chose to stay up till you know yeah. 11 12 whatever it is so you get to yeah. you get to you know change that as well and i think as well it's like um when you have other really positive habitual ha patterns in your life like for example not using alcohol you can you have a healthier sleep right so like what you might get in seven hours someone that drinks is not even going to get in 10 monitor my sleep for about four and a half years now and like so two years of that, I was working shift work in a car mine, 12 and a half hour days and nights. And I was also drinking. And it's like, we've, we're, and you look back at that data when, when, I would, when I would drink and go to bed or when I was like really sleep deprived and like hadn't slept two days. It's mm -hmm. like the data in there is like scary, man. Scary. Mm -hmm. And like I could have 10 hours sleep and go to bed like um, in an intoxicated state and wake up 1% recovered because my body is just like, because that's the thing. It's like, it's not sleep. If you're going to bed drunk, you're not sleeping. You're unconscious. It's a different thing. It's the same as medication, right? You can have like a sleeping pill, but then they don't put you to sleep. They, you're in an unconscious state. You're, you're a void. Um, mm -hmm. And you're not getting any of that really healthy recovery sleep or that dream state, that REM sleep, the deep sleep. Absolutely. And those bad habits breed other bad habits as well. You know, like yeah. I've seen it regularly where people will find themselves in a state of unhealthy behaviors and wondering if they fix this one thing, will it fix the other? But the problem with that is when you develop a habit such as that, like an unhealthy one, such as drinking, that breeds other bad habits. The last two months I've been focusing Men who drink regularly oftentimes make bad food choices. It just goes hand in hand, right? Like how many times? That's me, bro. Me. How, how many times? Me. Like our generation growing up out on the town, out till two in the morning, what's the first thing you do after being drunk leaving the pub? It's kebab yeah. time. It is yeah, kebab correct. time, right? Like so yeah, yeah. we're making poorer decisions there. Now, if we're making poorer decisions with our health in that respect, what are we doing emotionally? Well, we're chasing the white dragon, that being the dopamine or the oxytocin hit, right? We're chasing that because we don't want to feel this. We felt the goodness in the space of being drunk and being with the boys or whatever it is. Now that we're coming down, because what goes up must come down. Now that we're coming back down, we need to get back up. And so we're now making decisions based upon wanting to chase that dragon. And it's like masturbation, there's porn, there's yeah. like being in unhealthy discussions with people that you don't even vibe with but you're just there yeah. because it's automatic and so it breeds yeah. itself into this whole massive habit that is just so unproductive and not beneficial to your health or life in general yeah correct when i used to drink it was 100 percent me like i would we were talking about crossfit before right like i was balls deep in crossfit for the longest time right from about 2011 like for eight nine years the cool thing about crossfit even just from a fundamental point is like you can learn a lot about new, the basic nutrition and like what is good food what is bad food like they do a really good job of that right whether you like yeah. it or not it's a great for that so i had like a lot of understanding and a lot of discipline around my food when i didn't drink and then mm -hmm. so you could go on like a really big training program and you do like a crossfit comp and then just you're blind drunk you're eating bags and you're just throw it all out the window like after it right <laughs> you make all these really positive changes then you bring alcohol into it then your barrier is just completely removed and you're just making horrendous decisions with no with there's absolutely no purpose and then it just it spirals out of control like you said dude because you're waking up the next day and you feel 
You're not going for a run in the morning. You're not meditating under the stars. You're sleeping in. You're chasing your tail. You've likely had a f-ing argument, you know, with your partner because you said you were going to be home at eight o'clock and you weren't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then like, you had another negative relationship with the girl that you used to go to school with that you hadn't seen for four years. And then you start to think about her. And, you know, it's like, it's a f-ing nightmare of a situation, right? You totally, when you talk about frequency, that's, there's no control over that frequency at all. It's very yeah. low vibration, very low. And it's yeah. dense, man. Yeah. Without it, I wouldn't have ever thought, like, if you spoke to me like two and a half years ago and said that, yeah, you'll likely never drink again, there's no way I would have thought that that would ever be possible, right? Like, it was a big part of my life. And especially it's the environment that I work in, like, it's a, it's a big coal mining community where I live. And, like, that's what everyone does here. And when I left the coal mining, I left that environment. I was like, wow, like, I, I'm not that person. Like, I was almost, I was doing that because I was a chameleon. Um, Mm. I was just doing it because that's what everyone else is doing I wasn't strong enough to identify or to go hey that's not me and then do what I did it wasn't until I got myself out of that environment and I was like wow this is really who I've always felt like I was and being able to be confident and content and making the decision that I'm not a drinker and again like it's not I'll go to a pub and, and sit down with you if you want to drink alcohol but I'm very confident that I don't even want to be in that environment because even this mm-hmm. conversation that we're having right now you can't have this conversation at fucking midnight in a pub somewhere. Like it's, you're right. not going to have it. It's going to be, a fuck, you're just going to be talking shit to some stranger or some dude. There's going to be no purpose. It's not a deliberate act. That environment in, in, in its essence is men and women going to a space to drown their sorrows and talk about all the negative things that are in their life. It's very rarely yeah. that it's positive because the negative vibration that alcohol carries is it brings it out. There's that old term of having DNMs and they're not DNMs. You're literally just sitting there having therapy because you've, unhappy right yeah there's been moments, like i don't drink alcohol either and if i do drink it i am actually very intentional about the space that i'm in and who i'm yeah. with and what conversations we're having now if i'm in a space that's usually here at home and it's probably with scotty or, or maybe even Cass of late we've had a couple of drinks together yeah we're sitting down and we're talking about life like we might yeah. be having a drink because we enjoy the drink but we're yeah. sitting down and we're talking about life it's constructive towards our next day the following day the months the years proceeding that and so i'm very conscious about how i bring it in because if that negative vibration of alcohol is coming in i want to know that it's not being influenced or signaled by the environment holistically so the next day i'm waking up and i want to drink again all the things so yeah very conscious of that pattern and i'm curious now like coming from that coal mining environment when you made that shift and this is where a lot of fear exists for men specifically like how many friends did you keep and lose like yeah. versus each other when you left that's the fear. yeah if i'm going to be honest i basically lost them all you know like i basically lost yep. them all and people often say it's like oh, like you need to cut these guys loose or like if blah 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 but the way I, I don't really necessarily look at it like that i look at it like because what i found for me personally is that i've grown so much that them guys don't want to be around me because yeah. it's exhausting you know it's yeah. like why would someone want to someone that's not content or confident in who they are as a person or or the decisions that they're making in life or where they are at in life you don't typically, you don't put yourself in a position where it's, you're going to f- feel horrendous about yourself. So mm-hmm. what I found is like, I outgrow these guys and they just simply don't want to be around me anymore because yeah. it just makes them feel bad. But again, like if they wanted to better themselves and to follow my path, then it's very clear you can do that. But more often than not, they make the decision. It's not even me. It's not me letting them go. It's them f- 
staying where they where they are, and I just outgrow that environment. So, but again, like yeah. we're going to have new relationships and new friendships with people like you that like we've never met physically before, right? But uh, our vibrations and our frequency is on a very similar path. We were drawn together by something as simple as running, mm-hmm. and, and that was a very fundamental common that we had together. And then all of a sudden, we start communicating and talking, and it's like. You like that. Your values are here. We're very similar. You've got four kids. I've got four kids. We're similar age, similar backgrounds. It's like all these like really cool things and really cool positive things that happen. So again, I would not have ever met you if I continued to drink. I would not have ever met you if I didn't have purpose around my morning routine. It just like the universe put us together. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree fully. And and what I've really uh, appreciated in these later years, uh, because I was the same when I left the military, you know, that that environment is an organization that just does not breed autonomy or sovereignty, right? It does not at all. You do what you're told because you paid it. And I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. I remember being in the office as a young LAC, so just like just out of recruit, spent a year as an AC aircraftsman and then became a leading aircraftsman. You're still nothing, like you're still a shit yeah, kicker. Yeah. But I remember being in the office and there was at no point was it okay for me to get on Messenger and, and message one of the homies from another squadron and go, hey, you want to go for a coffee? Because yeah. you're not allowed to do that. And I remember having yeah. to ask my corporal one day, hey, man, is it all right if I go for a coffee? And he's like, no, you've got work to do. And I'm sitting yeah. at my computer yesterday going, I can just go for a coffee whenever I want. Yeah. Like that level of sovereignty didn't exist. Yeah. But leaving the military i didn't leave it behind i grew like you did i grew into yeah. the space and gradually because when i left i still had military friends not many but created a few businesses with some some of them and then you get to that point of self-development or spiritual growth that you're like oh we're not aligned and so yeah. you don't let them go they don't let you go you drift apart what i really appreciate now about being on the path is that some of those people are starting to come back into my life and be like yeah Hey man, I see you. Uh, you're doing this thing that I think that I want. Can you help me? And it's like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like yeah. we talked about this seven years ago, eight years ago. You weren't there. I was. That's okay. I'm here now. Come join. You know, yeah. like that's yeah. the thing I really appreciate now. So cool, man. It's so cool that then guys that a lot of people would almost turn their nose up. And I'm sure that there's guys that with you and there's guys I know for sure do it with me. And it's like, again, it's not, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad or I don't feel like I'm, I'm any better than other people, but it's really hard to hang around with, with people that are succeeding or winning. And when you talk about, you know, being able to just do like, go for that coffee whenever you want, or you say to Cass, it's like, Hey, like we dropped the kids off at school. Do you want to go have breakfast? Like mm-hmm. uh, it's Wednesday. Success to me is like having freedom and flexibility of your time you do whatever the f- you want whenever you want like that's true success right because if you look at money it's like you don't know how to build teams you know how to solve problems you can make as much money as you ever want or need mm-hmm. so it's like that's not the thing that moves the marker yeah for sure there's an element of it to be able to you know give you security and, and to be comfortable in life and to provide the things and safety for your family but yeah the ability to be able to do whatever you want when you want is f- powerful dude so so powerful and it's like when you come from that and it's employment full stop but especially like coal mining or military when there's a lot of eyeballs on you like long shifts you've got to apply for leave or you've got to go ask someone to go to the toilet you've got to ask someone to go for a coffee or like it's fortress because i still think that we're still so young it's like we'd be able to figure this out now and we get to ride this wave forever and I know for me, like I'm basically unemployable now. Like I don't think anyone, like I wouldn't, I'm not, I'd be a horrendous employee because I just have way too much focus and value my time too much to be able to go and, you know, clock in and work towards. That doesn't mean that I wouldn't go and work for someone that aligned my values in like a business partnership. 
can work my tail up. I'm not going to go and work for someone I don't respect or don't align with. That level of sovereignty, you just never give back. Once you feel it, you just never give it back because it's just, yeah. it opens up so much. And, and just to add to the success piece, like the flexibility that you get to have, it's the moment of being able to be present in that as yeah. well really influences that level of success. Like I did exactly what you just said yesterday morning. We took the kids to school. I don't normally go with Cass to drop the kids because I'm coming back into work or transitioning into work. But I said, hey, you want to go to breakfast? And, and Cass yeah. had to get a new phone, but we prioritized the time together. So in that moment, I'm like, how present am I? You know, And yeah. if I'm like so present, that's success to me because I've been able yeah. to put down the idea that I've got tasks to do when I get home, the kids at school, all of the things, and I'm able to be present with yeah. my wife. And so yeah. that's huge as well because there's a lot of men out there who on paper are successful but can't be in a family dynamic, eating dinner, having whatever it is without their phone yeah. there. Or like thinking correct. about work and it's like there's no yeah. success in that either you know yeah correct like you mentioned something because again I, I know we have very similar values with phones or screens and stuff like that right it's like and we have a lot of people that just randomly come and see us like we're in a cafe there's four young kids just sitting there you know not always patiently like they're sometimes they're noisy but they they don't have phones in front of them right they've got no ipads and it's like crazy that people will walk up and just say like hey just want to sort of let you know like we notice that your kids aren't on screens and we think that that's incredibly like it's so good that you guys are doing that because my son does this or my son does that it's like something is so small like the older generation can identify what we're trying to do and then come mm -hmm. and praise us for it and it's super mm -hmm. powerful man when my eldest is nine years old so i know that i can it's a lot simpler for me to manage and monitor that at the moment and i know it's going to be more challenging as they age but Right now, like my kids watch one movie on a Friday night and one movie on a Saturday night. Now, TV, it doesn't even have normal TV. Like, There's two movies a week. And like they look forward to that. Like it's a treat, right? Previously, when I haven't done that, my kids don't listen. They're, they're not interested in what I want or what we're trying to achieve as a family, whether it be go tidy a room or go to the toilet before dinner or go have a shower. It's like they're brainwashed by this other thing the cool thing about that is that these we're raising these kids in this environment that they don't know that that's not normal they don't think that mm. like this like they're aware that they're their friends get to play video games and stuff like that but they know that they, we don't do that in our house and i think to go back to what we're talking about uh, having control and freedom our kids whilst they might not communicate it right now we're changing their perception of like what life is and it's like dad's not getting up and gone before we go to work a lot of the time and he's here when we we sit down and have a dinner as a family we talk about our day and our thoughts and our feelings that's the expectation of you know what is life and like how a life is lived and similar to because i know you've got daughters as well right and like i know a lot of men that are like that wanted sons and it's like ah oh, i'm having a daughter it's like well what are you talking like it's like a drag that they didn't get another son having daughters or having both is like an absolute privilege but like a daughter especially is like because as men we don't only set the example for our sons of like how to be a man and how to to lead and you know to go through life but as a father of a young girl it's like we're setting up the expectation of what you look for in a man and how a man treats absolutely you, you know absolutely. it's like how you and they're watching they're so observant right it's like wow like oh wow like dad yells at mum a lot or like he doesn't show any affection or he drinks a lot or he argues a lot or he is on the phone a lot like that is what they expect a normal man or a, or a leader to do so by rights we we're reducing you know their expectation of men and then you know you can't get upset if you do all them things and then they come home with some moron when they're 17 years <laughs> yeah. old you just you know, taught them like, how to do it <laughs> you taught them how to do it like that moron is a smaller version of you yeah in a lot of cases yeah i think it's amazing if we get to change the perception of what our kids i said it multiple times when you're doing that run right it's like these young kids like not only do they get to watch it but they were there and that has changed their perception of what they think is achievable and attainable for the rest of their life
So that if you didn't get anything other than that, that was a massive success, right? Because they think that, you know, all dads run across the country, you know, and they'll be surprised <laughs> when they realize it's not true. That's not uh, true. <laughs> so, Look, yeah. I haven't had one of them things for maybe five years, man. We yeah. moved into this place and it was on the wall. I'm like, oh, that's boring. We're not putting anything out there, you know, but yeah. it started with that in being present in the household. I have three daughters. So I got yeah. two to another marriage and then a younger one in this one. Yeah. And even the the shift, like my two other daughters helped me shift the way that I was transitioning out of that past marriage because it didn't end well and it was a loop I yeah. needed to close, but it didn't end well. And they helped me shift my, my perspective of who I was as a man because not only are they learning about the relationship I'm in with Cass and now their stepmom, like they're learning how I treat her. That's, that's amazing. But the more important factor was how I was treating their mother. And like that completely flipped the way that I was showing up with my previous wife. And when I started showing up with love and compassion and support and stability, all of the things, they shifted as well. And so it's such an important lesson. Like I resonate when men say it's a drag to have a a girl. It's like you've just been gifted your greatest teacher in life because you're never going to step into the full masculine archetype without that feminine just pushing you to your edges you know yeah and that comes yeah. from raising raising daughters for sure yeah that's no, super interesting uh bro it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you this morning let's get this up somewhere we'll create a youtube or something let's just jam it up and yeah let's continue these it's been an absolute pleasure um sharing these thoughts with him my man oh bro same's true for me too legend right a big dog we'll um we'll right, talk really soon and uh, i'll see you next week peace peace